Miss Alliance Repertory Theatre is proud to present The New Word by James Ferry. The New Word Any room nowadays must be the scene, for any father and any son are the dramatis personae. We could pick them up in Mayfair, on the veldt, in rectories or in grocers' back parlours, dump them down on our toy stage and tell them to begin. It is a great gathering to choose from, but our needs are small. Let the company shake hands and all go away, but two. The two who have remained, it is discovered on inquiry, are Mr. Torrance and his son. So let us make use of them. Mr. Torrance is no great luminary. Indeed, when we accompany him to his house, as we must in order to set our scene properly, we find that it is quite a suburban affair. Only one servant kept and her niece engaged twice a week to crawl about the floors. There is no fire in the drawing room, so the family remain on after dinner in the dining room. There is really no one in the room but Roger. That is the truth of it, though to the unseeing eye all the family are there except Roger. They consist of Mr., Mrs., and Miss Torrance. Mr. Torrance is enjoying his evening paper and a cigar, and every line of him is insisting stubbornly that nothing unusual is happening in the house. Mrs. Torrance is at present exquisitely employed. She is listening to Roger's step overhead, and what is more remarkable is that Emma is listening to it too. Emma, who is seventeen and who has been trying to keep Roger in his place. Things have come to a pass when a sister so openly admits that she is only number two in the house. Mr. Torrance calmly reads, or seems to read, for it is not possible that there is anything in the paper as good as this. Indeed, he occasionally casts a humorous glance at his womenfolk. Perhaps he is trying to steady them. Let us hope he has some such good reason for breaking in from time to time on their entrancing occupation. Listen to this, dear. It is very important. The paper says, upon apparently good authority, that love laughs at locksmiths. Did you speak, John? I am listening. Yes, I was telling you that the hidden hand has at last been discovered in... A tub in Russell Square. I hear, John. How thoughtful. And so they must have been made of margarine, my love. Ah, I shouldn't wonder, John. Hence the name Petrograd. Oh, was that the reason? You will be pleased to hear, Ellen, that the honorable gentleman then resumed his seat. That was nice of him. As I now resume mine, having made my... Usual impression. Yes, John. Emma slips upstairs to peep through a keyhole, and it strikes her mother that John has been saying something. They are on too good terms to make an apology necessary. John, 
I haven't heard a word you said. I'm sure you haven't, woman. I can't help being like this, John. Go on being like yourself, dear. Am I foolish? Um... Oh, but, John, how can you be so calm with him up there? He has been up there a good deal, you know, since we presented him to an astounded world 19 years ago. But he... He is not going to be up there much longer, John. You will be nice to him tonight, won't you, John? Do I just begin tonight, Helen? Oh, no. No. But I think he is rather shy of you at times. That is because he is my son, Helen. Yes. It's strange, but yes. Did it ever strike you, Ellen, that I am a bit shy of him? Of Rogie? I suppose it is because I am his father. You are so sarcastic to Rogie at times. Boys don't like that, John. Is that so, Ellen? Of course, I don't mind your being sarcastic to me. Much good my being sarcastic to you. You're so seldom aware of it. I am not asking you to be a mother to him, John. Thank you, my dear. I quite understand that a man can't think all the time about his son as a mother does. Can't he, Ellen? What makes you so sure of that? I mean that a boy naturally goes to his mother with his troubles rather than to his father. <laughs> Roger tells me everything. I dare say he might tell me things he wouldn't tell you. I want you to be serious just now. Why not show more warmth to him, John? It would terrify him, Ellen. Two men show warmth to each other. Shame, woman. Two men? John, he's only 19. That's all. Ellen, it is the great age to be today, 19. Emma darts in. Mother, he has unlocked the door. He is taking a last look at himself in the mirror before coming down. Having made the great announcement, she is off again. You won't be sarcastic, John. I give you my word if you promise not to break down. I promise. John, I'll contrive to leave you and him alone together for a little. For God's sake, woman, don't do that. Father and son, he'll bolt. Or if he doesn't, I will. Emma Torrance flings open the door grandly and we learn what all the to-do is about. <clears throat> Allow me to introduce Second Lieutenant Torrance of the Royal Sussex. Father, your son. Second Lieutenant Torrance, your father. Mother, your little Rogie. Roger, in uniform, walks in strung up for the occasion. Or the uniform comes forward with Roger inside it. Before the war broke out, he was treasurer of the local lawn tennis club, and his golf handicap was seven. He carried his little bag daily to and from the city, and his highest relaxation was giggling with girls, or about them. But there are great ideas buzzing in Roger's head, which would never have been there save for the war. At present, he is chiefly conscious of his clothes. His mother embraces him with cries of rapture, while Mr. Torrance surveys him quizzically over the paper. 
see the conquering hero comes. Mother, do stop that twit making an ass of me. Emma, please don't. But I'm sure you deserve it, my darling. Doesn't he, John? Hardly yet, you know. Can't be exactly a conquering hero the first night you put them on, can you, Roger? Did I say I was? Oh, John. Do turn round, Roger. I never did. I never did. Isn't he a pet? Shut up, Emma. Though I say it who shouldn't, and yet, why shouldn't I? In any case, you will, so go ahead. I knew he would look splendid, but... Of course, I couldn't know that he would look quite so splendid as this. I know I look like an ass. That is why I was such a time in coming down. We thought we heard you upstairs strutting about. John! Don't mind him, Roger. I don't. Oh. But I wasn't strutting. <gasps> that dreadful sword! No, I would prefer you not to draw it, dear. Not till necessity makes you. Come, come, Ellen. That's rather hard lines on the boy. If he isn't to draw it here, where is he to draw it? At the front, Father. I thought they left them at home nowadays, Roger. Yes, they are a bit in the way. Not when you have got used to them. That isn't what Roger means. I know what he means. If you carry a sword, the snipers know you are an officer, and they try to pick you off. (gasps) It's no wonder they are called Huns. Fancy a British sniper doing that. Roger, you will be very careful, won't you, in the... Trenches? Honor bright, Mother. Above all, don't look up. The trenches ought to be so deep that they can't look up. What a good idea, John. He's making fun of you, Mother. Is he my own? Very likely. Now, about the question of provisions. Oh, Mother, you talk as if I was going off tonight. I mean to go for months and months. I know. And of course there is a chance that you may not be needed at all. None of that, Mother. There is something I want to ask you, John. How long do you think the war is likely to last? Roger, I know you will laugh at me, but there are some things that I could not help getting for you. You know, you have knitted enough things already to fit up my whole platoon. His platoon? Have you noticed how fine all the words ending in oon are? Platoon? Dragoon! Spittoon! A colonel is good, but rather papaish. Major is nosy. Admiral of the fleet is scrumptious. But Marshal de France, that is the best of all. I think there is nothing so nice as second lieutenant. Lot of little boys. Mother. I mean, just think of their cold feet. These are for putting inside your socks. These are for outside your socks. I am told that it is also advisable to have straw in your boots. Have you got him some straw? I thought, John, that he could get it there. But if you think I should... He's making fun of you again, Mother. Emma, it's past your bedtime. You can't expect me to sleep on a night like this. You can try. Second Lieutenant... Second Lieutenant. Ellen, don't break down. You promised. I am not going to break down. But but there is a photograph of Roger when he was very small. Go to bed, Emma. I happen to have it in my pocket. Don't bring it out, Mother. If I break down, John, it won't be owing to the picture itself so much as because of what is written on the back. Then don't look at the back. But I know what 
is written on the back. Roger John Torrance, aged two years, four months, and 33 pounds. <laughs> Correct. There, there, woman. I'm going to bye-bye. Night, Mum. Night, Roggie. I shall leave you together, John. Do you think it's wise? You know what I am. Do be nice to him, dear. I wonder where I put my glasses. I'll look for them. No, I remember now. They are upstairs in such a funny place that I must go myself. Do you remember, Roggie, that I hoped they would reject you on account of your eyes? I suppose you couldn't help it. Did you believe I really meant it, John? Did you, Roger? Of course. Didn't you, Father? No. I knew the old lady better. I shouldn't have liked it, Roger, dear. I'll tell you something. You know your brother Harry died when he was seven. To you, I suppose, it is as if he had never been. You were barely five. I don't remember him. No. No. But I do, Roger. He would be 21 now. But though you and Emma grew up, I have always gone on seeing him as just seven. Always. Till the war broke out. And now I see him a man of 21, dressed in khaki, fighting for his country, same as you. I wouldn't have had one of you stay at home, though I had had a dozen. That is, if it is the noble war they all say it is. I'm not clever, Roger. I have to take it on trust. Surely they wouldn't deceive mothers. I'll get my glasses. She goes away, leaving the father and son somewhat moved. It is Mr. Torrance who speaks first. <sighs> like to change your mother, Roger? Hmm. What do you think? Then silence falls. These two are very conscious of being together, without so much as the tick of a clock to help them. The father clings to his cigar, sticks his knife into it, studies the leaf, tries crossing his legs another way. The son examines the pictures on the walls as if he had never seen them before, and is all the time edging toward the door. It must be now or never. Uh, not going, Roger. Uh, yes, I thought... Won't you uh, sit down and have a chat? A what? You and me? Why not? Oh, oh. All right. I suppose you catch an early train tomorrow? Hmm, the 5.20. I have flag signaling at half past six. Uh, uh, hours before I shall be up. I suppose so. Well, you needn't dwell on it, Roger. I didn't. Good night, Father. Good night. Damn. Come back. My fault. Didn't I say I wanted to have a chat with you? I thought we had had it. No such luck. <clears throat> I like your uniform, Roger. Haven't you made fun of me enough? I'm not making fun of you. Don't you see? 
I'm trying to tell you that I'm proud of you. Good Lord, Father. You are not going to begin now. Do you remember, Roger, my saying that I didn't want you to smoke till you were twenty? Oh, it's that, is it? I never promised. It's not that. Have a cigar, my boy? Me? <coughs> Have you ever wondered, Roger, what sort of a fellow I am? Often. I have often wondered what sort of fellow you are, Roger. We have both been at it on the sly. I suppose that is what makes a father and son so uncomfortable in each other's presence. Do you feel the creeps when you are left alone with me? Mortally, Roger. My first instinct is to slip away. So is mine. You don't say so. I always seem to know what you are thinking, Roger. Do you? Same here. Hmm. As a consequence, it is better, it is right, it is only decent that you and I should be very chary of confidences with each other. Hmm. I'm glad you see it in that way. Oh, quite. And yet, Roger, if you had to answer this question on oath, whom do you think you are most like in this world? I don't mean superficially, but deep down in your vitals. What would you say? Your mother? Your uncle? One of your friends? No. Who? You. Just how I feel. It's pretty ghastly, Father. It is. I don't know which it is worse for. You are a bit of a wag at times, Roger. You soon shut me up. I have heard that you sparkle more freely in my absence. They say the same about you. And now that you mention it, I believe it is true. And yet, isn't it a bigger satisfaction to you to catch me relishing your jokes than any other person? How did you know that? Because I am so chuffed if I see you relishing mine. Are you? You don't show it. That is because of our awkward relationship. We have got to go through with it. There's no way out. No. We have, as it were, signed a compact, Roger, never to let on that we care for each other. As gentlemen, we must stick to it. Yes. What are you getting at, Father? There is a war on, Roger. That needn't make any difference. Yes, it does. Roger, be ready. I hate to hit you without warning. I'm going to cast a grenade into the middle of you. It's this. I'm fond of you, my boy. Father, if anyone were to hear you... They won't. The door is shut. Emma is gone to bed. And all is quiet on our street. Won't you? Won't you say something civil to me in return, Roger? I sometimes... bragged about you at school. Did you? What sort of things, Roger? I, I, I forget. Oh, come on, Roger. Is this fair, Father? No, I suppose it isn't. You and your mother have lots of confidences, haven't you? I 
tell her a good deal? Somehow. Yes, somehow one can. <laughs> I'm glad you tell her everything. Oh, not everything, Father. <laughs> there are things about oneself. Aren't there, Roger? Best not to tell her. Yes. Yes. If there are any of them you would care to tell me instead, just if you want to, mind, uh, just if you are in a hole or anything? No, thanks. Any little debts, for instance? That's all right now, Mother. She did. I was willing to speak to you about them, but... She said, not worthwhile bothering father. How did you know? Oh, I have met your mother before, you see. Nothing else? Uh, no. Haven't been an ass about a girl or anything of that sort. Good Lord, father. Shouldn't have said it. In my young days, we sometimes... <clears throat> it's all different now. I don't know. I could tell you things that would surprise you. No. Not about yourself. No. At least... Just as you like, Roger. It blew over long ago. Then there's no need... No, oh, no. It was just... You know. The old, old story. I see. It hasn't left you bitter about love, Roger, I hope. Not now. She... <laughs> you know what women are. Yes. Yes. You needn't mention it to Mother. I won't. Think your mother and I are an aged pair, Roger? I never... Of course, you are not young. How long have you known that? I mean, it's true, but I didn't know it till quite lately. That you're old? Hang it, Roger. Not so bad as that. Elderly. This will stagger you, but I assure you that until the other day, I jogged along thinking of myself as on the whole still one of the juveniles. I crossed the bridge, Roger, without knowing it. What made you know? What makes us know all the new things, Roger? The war. I'll tell you a secret. When we realized in August of 1914 that myriads of us were to be needed, my first thought wasn't that I had a son, but that I must get fit myself. <laughs> you! Funny, isn't it? But as I tell you, I didn't know I had ceased to be young. I went into Regent's Park and tried to run a mile. <laughs> you might have killed yourself. I nearly did, especially as I had put a weight on my shoulders to represent my kit. I kept at it for a week, but I knew the game was up. The discovery was pretty grim, Roger. Don't you bother about that part of it. You are doing your share, taking care of Mother and Emma. I am not taking care of them. It is you who are taking care of them. My friend, you are the head of the house now. Father. Yes, we have come back to hard facts. And the defender of the house is the head of it. Me? It's true. The thing that makes me wince most is that some of my contemporaries have managed to squeeze back, back into youth, Roger. Though I guess they were a pretty tight fit in the turnstile. There is Coxon. He is in khaki now, with his hair dyed, and when he and I meet at the club, we know that we belong to different generations. 
I'm a decent old fellow, but I don't really count anymore, while Coxon, lucky dog, is being damned daily on parade. I hate your feeling it that way, Father. I don't say it is a palatable draft, but when the war is over, we shall all shake down to the new conditions. No fear of my being sarcastic to you then, Roger. I'll have to be jolly respectful. <laughs> Shut up, Father. You've begun, you see. Don't worry, Roger. Any rawness I might feel in having missed the chance of seeing whether I was a man, like Coxon, confound him, is swallowed up in the pride of giving the chance to you. I'm in a shiver about you. But it's all true, Roger, what your mother said about second lieutenants. Till the other day we were so little of a military nation that most of us didn't know there were second lieutenants. And now, in thousands of homes, we feel that there is nothing else. Second lieutenant. It is like a new word to us. One, I dare say, of many that the war will add to our language. We have taken to it, Roger. If a son of mine were to tarnish it... I'll try not to. If you did, I should just know that there had been something wrong about me. You're all right. If I am, you are. I suppose you have been asking yourself of late, what if you were to turn out to be a coward? How did you know? I know because you are me. Because ever since there was talk of this commission, I have been thinking and thinking what you were thinking, so as to help you. They all seem to be so frightfully brave, Father. I expect, Roger, that the best of them had the same qualms as you before their first engagement. I... I kind of think, Father, that I won't be a coward. I kind of think so, too, Roger. Mind you, don't be rash, my boy. And for God's sake, keep your head down in the trenches. <laughs> you know you laughed at Mother for saying that. Did I? Roger, your mother thinks that I have an unfortunate manner with you. Oh, I don't know. It's just a father and son complication. That is really all it is. But she thinks I should show my affection for you more openly. I wouldn't do that. Of course, for this once. But in a general way, I wouldn't do that. We know. You and I. As long as we know. It's no one else's affair, is it? That's the ticket, father. Still... Still, before your mother, to please her, eh? I suppose it would. Well, what do you say? I know she would like it. Of course you and I know that display of that sort is all nonsense, repellent even to our nature. Lord, yes. But to gratify her... Mm, I should be so conscious. So should I. How far would you go? Oh, not far. Suppose... I called you Old Raji. Ugh. There's not much in that. It all depends on the way one says these things. I should be quite casual. Hmm. What would you like me to call you? It isn't what I would like. But I dare say your mother would beam if you called me dear father. I don't think so. You know quite well that you think so, Roger. It's so childish. Not if you say it 
Casually? How does one say a thing like that, casually? Well, for instance, you could whistle while you said it, or anything of that sort. Hmm. Of course, you... If we were to be like that, you wouldn't do anything? How do you mean? You wouldn't hug me? Roger, you forget yourself. That reminds me of a story I heard the other day of a French general. He had asked for volunteers from his airmen for some specially dangerous job, and they all stepped forward. Pretty good, that. Then three were chosen and got their orders and saluted and were starting off when he stopped them. Since when, he said, have brave boys departing to the post of danger omitted to embrace their father? They did it then. Good story. They were French. Yes, I said so. Don't you think it's good? Why do you tell it to me? Because it's a good story. You are sure, father, that there is no other reason? You know, father, that is not allowed. What is not allowed? You know. I know that you are a young ass. Really, father? Hold your tongue. I must say, father. Be quiet, I tell you. It is in the middle of this competition that the lady who dotes on them both chooses to come back. Still without her spectacles. Oh, dear. And I had hoped... Oh, John. My fault. But whatever is the matter? Uh, only father wouldn't do as I told him. Why the dickens should I? Uh, you see, mother, he said I was the head of the house. You, Rochie? What nonsense! <laughs> do you like my joke, father? Oh, oh <laughs> Roger, you scoundrel. <laughs> <laughs> That's better. <laughs> I think I'll go to my room now. You will come up, mother? Yes, dear. I shan't be five minutes, John. More like half an hour. There is nothing wrong, is there? I thought I've noticed a, a... A certain liveliness, my dear? No, we were only having a good talk. What about, John? About the war. About tactics and strategy, wasn't it, Roger? Yes. The fact is, Ellen, I have been helping Roger to take his first French. And we took it, too, together, didn't we, Roger? Hmm. You bet. No, I suppose it is one of those trenches that the enemy retake during the night. Oh, I... I don't know, Father. Whatever are you two talking about? Aha! It is very private. We don't tell you everything, you know, Ellen. She beams though she does not understand. Come on, Mother. It's only his beastly sarcasm again. Night, Father. I won't see you in the morning. Night. But Roger has not gone yet. He seems to be looking for something. A book, perhaps. Then he begins to whistle. Casually. Good night. Dear father. Mr. Torrance is left alone, rubbing his hands.
Thank you for listening to The New Word, a production of Miss Alliance Repertory Theater, directed and narrated by Barbara Zahora. The cast included Richard Hensel as Mr. John Torrance, Mary Michelle as Mrs. Ellen Torrance, Priscilla Torres as Miss Emma Torrance, and Austin Williamson as Mr. Roger Torrance. This production was recorded at Narwhal Studios in Chicago with audio editing and sound effects by George Zahora. This production was made possible by generous support from the Gentis Karuna family, the Cliff Dwellers Arts Foundation, and listeners like you. This podcast was recorded under a SAG-AFTRA collective bargaining agreement. For more information on Miss Alliance or to make a tax-deductible donation, please visit our website at MissAllianceRepertory.org.